This is Noah Kadner, and you're listening to the Virtual Production Podcast. Kenneth Nakata is the head of virtual production operations at Amazon Studios. He was instrumental in Amazon's efforts to build an LED volume in Hollywood, which became one of the largest in North America when it opened in late 2022. Before working at Amazon, Nakata worked as a visual effects supervisor and an artist on movies like Avatar, The Matrix Revolutions, Terminator 3, and X-Men. But it was a far earlier special effects film that got him interested in filmmaking as a career in the first place. For me, it, it was Star Wars. Hey, Luke. May the force be with you. And I was always into art and science. So getting into the film business was actually from a visual effects standpoint, because I, you know, I wanted to be a magician as a child. As soon as I found out that everything that I was seeing was not reality, like there weren't spaceships, that blew my mind. And I just needed to find out how they did it. The Falcon, in which the intrepid adventurers are traveling, is in fact a model. It is photographed by a computer-controlled camera. Nakata's educational trajectory skewed towards a discipline completely separate from cinema. I got my bachelor's at UCLA in kinesiology, which is the study of motion. So I analyzed human motion, the mechanics, the weight, the speed of all the limbs and other physical parameters. So like studying the forces that happens in a pitcher's arm during a pitch. That'll be in there for strike three. Then I went into grad school and I got a master's in physiological sciences with a specialization in neuromuscular physiology. Again, mind you, I was still doing art this entire time. And while I was in grad school, I was working for the Brain Research Institute at UCLA, which we studied the motion of animals with the ultimate goal of designing rehabilitative strategies for paraplegics and quadriplegics. I was filming the walk cycle, and because of the filming, I learned about Genlock and also force transduction recordings and muscle pattern activation during a gait cycle. So I became an expert in these type of movements. So with that, I was able to get an internship at Duck Soup Studios here in L.A., and they were a traditional cell animation studio, and they were transitioning into digital. They would work with Disney or some other IP and help do commercials for those companies. Nine Lives Dry Cat Food presents Sylvester. Gee, getting my Nine Lives is risky business with that dog around. <laughs> but watch this. And that really piqued my interest. I was surrounded by traditional cell animators. So again, I was an expert in real life motion and they were experts in conveying the squish and squash of how to generate emotion out of motion. It's learning how to model, how to do compositing. So by the time I graduated grad school, I had the option of getting a job in my field, which was being a junior scientist. And at that time, there was a huge boom in biotech. So I was getting offers left and right, and I thought this was amazing. I could always come back to this, but I want to give art a try. So I took an entry-level minimum wage job at an effects house. As he became more familiar with filmmaking, Nakata gravitated towards matte painting, an old-school optical technique that would ultimately survive into the digital age of visual effects. Richard Patterson, he was a great mentor, he brought me into Illusion Arts. So Illusion Arts was two owners, Sid Dutton and the late Bill Taylor. When Universal closed down their matte department, Sid Dutton and Bill Taylor bought all the equipment and started Illusion Arts. 
Sid taught me the art of seeing with painting, and the late Bill Taylor taught me the craft of design and capturing these types of images with cinematography. So I was paid to be at this effects studio to learn how to make this type of magic happen on film. It was brush painting, matte painting, so I'd go in early to watch Robert Stromberg paint. And that was like a masterclass in composition, blocking, color mixing, lighting, knowing your black point, white point layout, perspective. This was oil, so there was a higher level of commitment to every decision. So you had to understand the why behind every stroke. It was critical. They were predominantly a film house, but they also did episodic. So they did a lot of the Star Trek. So, you know, I worked on Deep Space Nine, Voyager, First Contact. Red alert, all hands to battle stations. Engage. My favorite movie that I've ever worked on was Muppets from Space. That was a tabletop miniature that had an oil-painted background, but we put in CG animals that were going to Noah's Ark, that were going in pairs. And so I got to composite on that one, and that was just the most fun because it started with a shot of clouds and lightning happening, and this is the storm that's going to flood the Earth. It was cotton clouds with lights that we would shoot frame by frame to get that lightning effect. And then we brought it into the computer, and then as the camera panned down from the clouds, we would see the animals in pairs going two by two into Noah's Ark, and then Gonzo came out. And then so I had to remove the puppeteer underneath Gonzo and add the miniature. And one day I heard a voice and it was Gonzo when he came in to meet us. It was amazing because you think Gonzo the character, but it's a real person. Hey, hey, wait for me! Hold the boat! So the constant variation and inspiration that you get in visual effects, I think that's been the constant throughout my career. You keep on finding these things, you know, all the way up to virtual production. It's gone through its phases and different evolutions. And I think that's what's so amazing about our field and our craft is the talent that you run into and the technology that drives it behind us. Inevitably, Nakata's career was altered by the advent of digital workflows and visual effects. Part of my job was to help transition us into the digital world from analog. So I did get to learn like how to program a motion control camera on a motion control stage. I did learn how to help with an optical printer, shoot some elements and bipack them and do an, an optical composite. That analog part, I will say, I am so happy I caught that time. A lot of people that were starting at the time I started didn't get that because Illusion Arts was one of the last places that still did all of this. But I was able to learn a lot of, you know, how to build a miniature. You know, our meetings were, what's the visual effects technique that we're going to utilize and design to make it look bright in camera when we shoot? For example, when we paint an oil painting, you have to find your vanishing point and then draft all your perspective lines. You get all of this for free in 3D packages. But in learning it traditionally, you have to know the physics of lighting, of how bounce lights work, how the key and diffuse lights work. So I think that's the biggest part of what Illusion Arts did for me was learn how to see. Because Sid taught me how to see in terms of, you know, some of the times when I'm trying to paint something and I'm not getting the bounce right, he'd say, Ken, let's take a walk around the block. And we'd walk around and he'd point out, the shadow over there is more blue because of this. And here's a it's a little bit reddish because look what's around that area. There might be something red. And, you know, he just talked about everything. By the time I got back, the painting that I left looked a lot different than the painting that I returned to because of, you know, just walking around the block and him just enlightening me on how to see things. So 
we do get a lot for free in the digital world and I think it's wonderful. It's just when you're trying to get a certain mood, the basis has always helped me in every case. While Nakata carefully honed his skills over the years on various productions, he gradually gained leadership responsibilities. So through the years, you know, I've worked through art departments like, you know, at ILM, ESC, Stan Winston, CAS, Cinesite, VFX Supervised at Riot Pictures, which is now Method, Prime Focus, Pixamondo, and started art departments like at Pixamondo and Frantic Films and art directed at Rhythm and Hughes. So I quickly transitioned into art director than creative director because I got into this whole game engine world and I thought it was just fascinating. When I got to Pixamondo, Pixamondo was doing a lot of live entertainment. And at that time, I was like, well, I can start previsioning with this. And I gravitated towards their live entertainment department because in live entertainment, the designers actually started designing like the story. So I used Game Engine to start working these out. And after a few years, it went from Crytek to Unity to finally Unreal. And when I got to Unreal, my mind exploded and, you know, we just went for it at that point. I put a bid out to use an Unreal team to do the previs, but also to start getting final pixels. So I got myself into a show that was a traveling show for Jurassic World Tour. They had 35-foot animatronic dinosaurs, stunt people on motorcycles, and pyrotechnics. But the backdrop behind them was a huge screen, and I would put an Unreal Jungle behind the T-Rex or whatever dinosaur that was there. And then when they had to change the set and move the story point along, the set went dark and then the background came alive. So I started using Unreal in that fashion and then it just exploded because previously at Rhythm and Hues, changes that would come in could take a week to re-render and put it back onto the screen. Whereas I was on set during rehearsals for the show and I was able to re-render it or if it was very involved, send the notes back to the LA office. And we were doing changes on the day. The directors, they just couldn't understand how this was happening because it would normally take a week. As with the rest of the world, the pandemic ultimately collided with Nakata's work. But he also discovered new pathways the situation inadvertently opened. And then I was building art departments to get game engine artists to work with visual effects artists. So there's a lot of fun in the early days of just everybody had the same language, but just came from a completely different place. And then pandemic hit, live entertainment died. You couldn't go to any show. The pandemic changed the face of entertainment in 2020, leaving a deep and costly impact. CBS 2's Chris Martinez. That's when I started looking around and, and I had to come back to film and TV. And I'm so glad I did because I went on a show called Mandalorian. On I visited the set with Andrew Jones and I did not know that that's where they were already. They were doing final pixels with Unreal. Being a Mandalorian is not just learning about how to fight. You also have to know how to navigate the galaxy. When I came back and seeing how they were doing it, I was beyond myself. I'm like, I didn't know this was happening here. I didn't know what I was doing was called virtual production. And all the art departments I was building, I didn't know they were called VADs, you know, the virtual art departments. So all of these things, like finally what I was dreaming of doing had come true while I was away. And then when I came back, seeing what was happening on the Mando set, they completely changed my world. And then I get a call from CDC, Chris Del Conte, saying, you know, rather than work on one show, how about you work on a whole slate of shows? We've got 300 scripts here, maybe one or two, you know, several of them a year could be in virtual production. Help me build this department. And I didn't have to think about it. 
Stay tuned. After the break, we'll be back with more virtual production insights from Kenneth Nakata. This episode of the Virtual Production Podcast is brought to you in part by Silicon Core, pioneers in fine pixel LED display technology for XR and virtual production. Learn more at siliconcore.com. And by Blackmagic Design, one of the world's leading innovators and manufacturers of creative video technology, which also work very well with virtual production. Nakata's pandemic project became the construction of a massive LED volume stage for Amazon Studios in Culver City, California. The pandemic, as it shut down many stages, Amazon, all their work stopped. So part of virtual production was seen as a way to start greenlighting productions again. So although pandemic killed the career that I was in at the time, it brought me back to the career that I started in. In 2020, CDC wrote the doc to build the LED volume and actually the whole virtual production department. So in 2021, it wasn't the volume yet. It was just the stage. So we were scouting where to build the volume. And the two largest stages at the Cover Studios was stage 15 and 16. And the volume could fit in either one. And the consensus from everybody was that we could utilize both stages. And we found out that that was a non-load bearing wall. And senior leadership, you know, we asked them, could we knock down that wall? And it didn't take them very long at all to reply. You know, I think it was on that same day, you know, go ahead and we knocked down the wall. Now we have a mega stage. And then in the end of 2021, we were able to start building the volume. And then by the end of 2022 is when we had our launch. And that was the long road to get to where we are now, where we're a fully functioning stage. It's 80 feet in diameter on average. The walls are 26 feet high. So this is North America's largest volume at the moment. We've completed our first project, Candy Cane Lane, which is an Eddie Murphy Christmas show. Uh, our first Amazon original prime video show that we've completed on stage. And we're going into our next show, which is a reality show. Now we're so excited in looking into sports or music. There's so many places where this can go and we're all ready to start enhancing our system to be able to accommodate all these different disciplines because there's a lot of overlap between all of this and our studio in the cloud and all of its infrastructure and, and its ecosystem is all part of that universe. With the successful completion and opening of the stage, Nakata turned to optimizations unique to Amazon's cloud-first approach. The next steps are going to be lifting and shifting a lot of the services into the cloud. There's real-time rendering advancement that we need to help with the latency reduction in the whole process. So Amazon is like a collection of a thousand teams of engineers in their specialized field. We haven't even gotten into where AI and ML can start helping our stage because these are the next steps. It's already happening in other departments at Amazon, and we're looking to leverage those advancements in other departments and bring them onto our stage as well. When I first started at Amazon Studios, you know, they were building a studio. When I came in, it was 11 years old, and that was as a platform, but as an actual studio, I came in and we just got sound stages. So it was at the beginning. So bringing in the production side, the filmmaker side, staffing that up, that's been a journey and we've gotten strong in that area. That's been our focus in Amazon Studios and we're getting there. And having the engineering or the tech behind us has been great, but cloud engineers come from a different place than stage people. 
the challenge and the fun is getting together to innovate. And that innovation comes from because we have such different perspectives. And when you put together the teams here and, and, and when we all collaborate on a task, the variation in background is immense. When you get a color scientist, along with a computer vision scientist, along with all the different AI, ML, and then you video signal, audio guys, you know, all of these different types of engineers and scientists together, and then put them in to help innovate new tools and develop new tools, as well as help eliminate and reduce the roadblocks or problems that we have on our tech stage. A lot of things happen very quickly and all of us don't do things in a vacuum. So we all look at each other and all, are always seeking that expertise that can help us advance whatever it is that we're trying to do. Because we're always working backwards. We're all just trying to figure out what is the filmmaking challenge that we're trying to overcome or the filmmaking aspiration. And then trying to figure out what is the collaboration between teams that are going to help take this across the finish line. Asked what newcomers might want to study for a career in virtual production, Nakata is quick to point out the variety of opportunities in this industry. ICVFX, you know, what we do on the stage is a small part of virtual production. Virtual production actually encompasses a lot more than just in-camera visual effects. So if you want to get into virtual production, there's the technology side that I was talking about, and there's also the production side. So if you're looking at it from the artistic side, so the virtual art department, a lot of this is just art training. It's like you need to build these digital assets. You need to know how to model texture, build materials in the game engine. Uh, lighting, that, that's a whole discipline in and of itself. Rendering is knowing what type of engine or what type of systems you're going to use for rendering. World building. So this includes terrain, water bodies, foliage effects. So weather, rain, wind, or time of day lighting, like how the sun would react in different environments. So there's the world building part. And then characters is a whole field that has its many subdivisions that get into rigging the animation itself and then performance capture which you, know, you can be a keyframe animator you could be a performance capture type of specialist to get that type of animation in and then there's a lot of hybrid and then visualization that's taking this content and now being able to help filmmakers visualize the types of things that you probably want to study to get into this area of visualization would be like understanding camera moves, how camera works through storyboarding is understanding lensing. When would I go to a very wide shot or how would I sequence this out? So visualization is trying to build those stories so you might block stuff in layout and then um, may also require editorial skills. So these are things that, you know, additional studying that you would need to do for visualization. Specifically for ICVFX, now you're talking like game engine and camera tracking, you know, inside out versus outside in. That's where the physical world meets the virtual world because you've got to track the camera. You've got to track objects. So there's things in real life will have a digital double in the game engine. If you like to be on the set side, learn traditional lighting, learn cinema camera, the in real life cameras. And it's good to know the other side, the digital cameras and digital lighting. So now with ICVFX, it's good to know both sides. And then, you know, if you're engineering minded and you think, oh, you know, I really love all this stuff, but I'm really like into signal flow or time code, gen lock, frame rate, color space, LED technology, a lot of these type of engineering disciplines. I have met people that in high school are very interested in this. And it always amazes me when I do find these people. But if you're not interested, taking a general approach and going through all these different disciplines that I just named will help you. And there's a lot of free material online. If you just look up any of these pieces, there's a lot of one-on-ones and primers in those specific niche areas. 
Nakata sees a cloud-based approach as a crucial element of success for the future of virtual production. If you're a director or part of the filmmaker group, remote collaboration is here now and will just continue to get better. So a director here in LA working with a cinematographer who's on a different show but needs to start planning together can work together remotely. Remote location scouting. A team could capture and scout five different cities and then the team could come together and then be hosted and dropped into those five cities just like Fortnite or any game where everybody's dropped in. And rather than everybody flying into a city, piling into a van and going to those locations and then flying into a different city and doing the same thing over, you know, throughout all the different locations, they could all get together online and go into a hot session and do that location scouting together. And this could happen for remote location scouting, for tech scouting, the equipment and the lighting, all the support equipment that are going to be needed. How does that work with relationship to the set, with relationship to the actors and the environment? So a lot of the planning and blocking, the future of this is happening now, but there'll be newer tools to make it faster because as we move forward, the connectivity and the speed at which we're all working at is just only going to be faster. And then for ICVFX specifically, new LED technology is coming out already, which up until recently it's been RGB, but you know, they're now adding W's or a cyan diode. And this is going to help with skin tone. So as a cinematographer, the next few years, we're going to see enhancement in color. And then for art department, it's a bunch of tools. So advancement for storytelling, that's where generative AI comes in. So you could quickly prototype things, neural radiance fields. There's faster, better, more automated capturing of real locations. So all of these things are going to become faster, easier, and it is becoming more democratized. But the underlying skill sets of all the players still need to be there because you could easily go down a road where everything looks the same or you just can't control the specific vision and everybody has their vision and sometimes you hear people say oh I'll, um you know keep on showing me iterations i'll know it when i see it but oftentimes the best ones come from people who have a specific vision and you can get there so this is where everything is going to come together a lot of people are fearing generative ai i think it's wonderful it's just like the LED volume doesn't replace production. Virtual production doesn't replace production. It's just another tool for production. The same thing could be said for generative AI. With recent entries of large companies like Apple into the virtual and augmented reality markets, Nakata sees the consumer as the ultimate arbiter of how they will experience entertainment. People are so varied on the way that they want to consume their media. And the same person is varied on the day of how he wants to consume his or her media. I love it all. I jumped on the VR bandwagon super early. I got sick a lot, you know, with those headsets. All it takes is a special helmet and a glove and you're off. But I, you know, I saw the potential. I loved it and it's not for everyone. So as far as what the mass is like, I'm not a good person to ask that question. I'm more of, I know what I like. I've always followed fun, meaning like early on, I loved art. I went there and I still had the technological background. So it just kept on pushing me into game engine, pushing me into VR and it led me into live entertainment. And then now with virtual production, it's always been so much fun. And in terms of the universe of all the different game and music and fashion and narratives and unscripted, there's so much overlap between all of it. You know, I, I have no answer for that because I thought that the AR glasses was going to be the end-all be-all 10 years ago, and uh, it's not here. So I will never bet on what I think will be the next thing.
you've been listening to the Virtual Production Podcast. Thanks again to my guest, Kenneth Nakata from Amazon Studios for joining us. This episode was written and hosted by me, Noah Kadner. This episode was edited and mixed by Corey Abel. The Virtual Production Podcast is a co-production of The Virtual Company and Abel Cine. We love virtual production and would also love to work with you. So please visit our websites and drop us a line if we can help. You can find us at ablecine.com and thevirtual.co. The Virtual Production Podcast is brought to you in part by Puget Systems, an integrator specializing in high-end desktop systems, perfectly suited to virtual production. Please visit them at pugetsystems.com. Please also let us know if there's a subject or guest you want us to have on the show. And if you like what you heard today, please consider giving us a five-star review, subscribing, and telling all your friends about us. Thanks again, and see you next time.